Hello again, everyone, and Happy New Year to you all. Today is January 2nd, 2014. Welcome to another edition of American Billiard Radio. My name is Mr. Bond, and I'll be your host for this evening. It's a new year. Yep, 2013 is finally over. Probably couldn't come soon enough for some folks. Uh, it was not all that great for the pool industry. Uh, you know, we talked a little bit about that on our uh, previous shows, uh, the State of the Union, and how things have not been going necessarily so hot. But, folks, I've got a, a message of uh, hope and a message of positivity to deliver to you this week because 2014 is in fact going to be a better year it's going to be a better year for pool it's going to be a better year for a lot of things the economy is uh, working itself out and I'm here to tell you that pool is alive and well in the US if you uh, are one of those people that would like to see more Moscone quality events out there uh, if you're one of those people that um, hope to see more kids being brought up in the uh, in the sport, if you're one of the people that would like to see more integrity being brought into the sport, I have some good news for you. College billiards is alive and well in the United States. There are many colleges out there that have billiard programs. Not as many as there used to be, but they still exist nonetheless, and they are, in fact, building champions. Not just trophy winners or prize winners, but kids that are all around good students who've been brought up in the game with integrity and respect and will bring nothing but good things to the game for the future. So if you're looking for a good cause to back, if you're looking for a team to stand behind, if you're looking for a way to help grow the industry in this country or support the industry in this country, find out if your local college has a team and support them. Call them up and tell them that you will do anything that you can to help. Find them a sponsor or sponsor them yourself. Or better yet, find out if your college has a team and if it doesn't, build one. And speaking of building teams, today we're going to be speaking with Mark Wilson, professional instructor who was commissioned by Lindenwood University just outside of St. Louis to help them build and grow their college billiard team. Happy New Year, Mark, and welcome to the show. If you could, uh, get us started off by telling uh, the folks out there a little more about yourself and uh, how you ended up working with the kids at the school. Oh, sure. Uh, first off, I'd like to say thank you, David. I'm honored to be a guest here. and Happy New Year to everyone listening. Welcome aboard. Thank you. Uh, for those that don't know me, I'm uh, 40 years a professional player. I've 
a food instructor. I occasionally get to do some television commentary. I've written a book, owned pool rooms, and been involved in the sport my entire life. Um, regarding the uh, current what I got going on, uh, the Lindenwood University contacted me two years ago, and I was informed that they had approved the budget for a billiards team, and they decided to present me the opportunity to lead the program. So I met with them, and they stated that their objective was to create a first-rate program. And then they said, but we don't know anything about the sport. It was up to me to decide a direction, and they would fund my vision of a world-class billiards program. Right. This is Lindenwood uh, University just outside of St. Louis, right? Charles, Missouri. You might call it St. Louis. It's five miles from the airport. But anyway, it's just a little subsidiary of St. Louis. It's a beautiful little town, beautiful campus. Gotcha. So they picked you up and decided to have you show them the way as far as building a billiard program was concerned. They did, but also understand I don't know the way either. I just know school, <laughs> you know. And, uh, I hadn't had any affiliation with kids for a lot of years. And, uh, but, but I've always thought that really what, what held pool back was the lack of uh, promotion to youth. Right. And I know when I was college age, it was just kind of catch as catch can. There was no availability. There certainly wasn't such a thing as a structured billiards program in college. Right. And so I did learn playing pool in college, but uh, it was, you know, just lose all your money and play the better players and lose all your money again and then go back. And uh, it wasn't, you know. <laughs> Pool players notoriously eat their young. We we run them off. This is going to be twenty dollars a game, David. And it's going to be a lesson you won't soon forget. Yeah, this is true. Well, that's the game on the street anyway. Yeah, this is very true. Um, that was the old-fashioned way. Yeah, that's how they used to teach you how to play. You know, you had to lose your money. You had to pay for tuition, as they say. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, t- how many current college? colleges that you know of are participating in uh, the collegiate billiards? Uh, it's, it's very fractured and very weak. We're, we're by far the most prolific, uh, which I'm not saying that to brag. It's actually a sad commentary. And if you go on the uh, computer, you would find that there's about 120 or 130 uh, schools that list billiards as an activity or a program or a sport. But none of them are funded, and none of them have coaches. It's more like a club. Right. Or the, and in many cases, many of the universities just have like a group of maybe two or three people that are advocates of the sport, and they get together on Tuesday night and just play informally, okay. which is substantially different than what we're doing. Right. How many uh, schools showed up at the uh, at the championship last year? Oh, well, there's, there's an ACUI individual championship, which was held in Tempe, Arizona last year, and there was probably about 30 different schools represented at that. Okay. And then we just played the uh, University of Michigan tournament, which has uh, 16 different schools that come to that, and schools such as North Carolina, Penn State, Illinois, Indiana, Purdue, Michigan, uh, Dayton, West Virginia, Virginia Tech. So it's pretty big schools. And and surprisingly, even though they don't have a lot of funding or, or coaching, they do have some really talented players out there. Yeah, yeah, I would say... Uh... It would seem that way. It's not an easy. Uh, it's not an easy task to get to the top of that pile. That's for sure. Where, that's uh, correct. The um, 
qualifiers, well, let me re-ask the question. Um, the, the, the championship at the University of Michigan, is that a standalone event? Yes, yeah, and they have three events there. They have a, a kind of a, a miniature, the equal offense event the first day, then they have a, a nine-ball event on the second day and an eight-ball event on the third day. So there's three tournaments over the weekend. And the, is that an ACI, uh, ACIU? ACUI, yeah. ACUI, excuse me, I'm sorry, yes. Right, yeah. right. Well, that's, from what I understand, that's uh, the ACUI is the longstanding tradition of holding billiard matches. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it, you know, Nick Varner won that individual title twice. Max Everly won it twice. There's now, uh, just now, there's become a third player to win it three times. The first one was Leroy Kinman way back in the 40s. Wow. And then recently, uh, here in the 90s or the 2000s, it was uh, Lars Vardaman. And then now just this year, a kid from Miami, Florida named Ray Linares. And uh, pretty yeah. cool title to have, you know, and, and fast company. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, I, I was going to say that some people have their doubts as to whether or not there's quality pool being played still in the United States, and I, I point them in this direction. I say it's the at the college level. Apparently, it's the most respectable billiards being played in the country. It would seem. Oh uh, well, especially when you consider that there's no money. You know, there's no prize money. You either do it for the love of the sport, right? And uh, that that already kind of sets it apart. It makes it a pretty cool thing. Well, that in in the university setting, uh, not that the schools are all that concerned about it, but at least they can, if they choose, um, dictate the criteria as far as qualifying for the team. Right, right. Here, uh, they they ask that we have a two point five grade point average, but for my team, I insist on the three point zero, which is pretty stringent at the collegiate level. And then the, the second thing, you know, to become a team member, it has to do with your character. And things, you know, like I'd say discipline, work ethic, spirit, you know, and then moral values, too, of honesty, integrity, right. and respect right. comprise the characteristics that we're looking for. And with that, I'll teach you to be a good player, even if you're an entry-level player or an advanced-level player. We're going to work on that. But if you can't demonstrate that, there's no second chance. Because right. we're, we're putting a new, fresh face on the sport, and those are the things that I hold uh, dear to. We all contribute. We all sacrifice. That's part of your sacrifice. And if you don't get it, we're not teaching you that. Right. Well, that's no different than any other sport, you know what I mean? They expect the football team to act that way, and they hold them to a code of conduct, and they make them keep their grades up. So it's great that... Um, these kind of standards are being uh, held in place, you know. I think that's outstanding. Right. It's very when, when I was presented with the opportunity to lead the program, they, the, the most compelling thing was that they said that they would also fund uh, scholarships for all my kids. All my athletes could have scholarships if they're academically qualified. And so today, half the team is probably scholarship athletes, and they come from all over the United States, but also all over the world, countries as far away as China, Italy, Spain, Singapore, Nepal. You can imagine Nepal represented here with two kids. <laughs> and they're all great kids, great players. I mean, it's, it's a really neat thing. We have about 30 team members now. And uh, when they first presented me with the job, I said, well, let's take a look at the pool room. And they said, well, uh, we don't have a pool room. 
<laughs> I said, so we're going to have a billiards program, but we don't have a pool room. And they said, no, if you get it going, we will build you a, a proper facility. And 12 weeks ago, we opened our Lindenwood University Billiards Arena, state-of-the-art facility, and it's exclusive to the team. No one else can use it. Um, and so it's a pretty cool thing. It's like our own little clubhouse, and it's state-of-the-art, top of the line. And they asked that I buy all brand-new diamond tables, lights, chairs, ball polisher, everything, so that if we expand, which they're already talking about, uh, we could match everything so it didn't look cobbled together and halfway because they wanted to look first-rate. Right. No, that's outstanding. That's really outstanding. And hopefully, uh, as I mentioned to you yesterday, hopefully uh, this will set some standards, uh, some examples for other schools to uh, take note of, you know, if you guys build a, a big successful program. And that is the idea. And if you're producing winners, Mark. <laughs> right, right. Well, you know, it, it's kind of interesting, David. We had, uh, last year we probably had 18 team members, and this year we've expanded, and naturally we have much better recruits because we have a year under our belt. And so, uh, but all the kids that came on board last year, even my entry-level players, are now uh, what I would consider to be uh, advanced or intermediate-level players. They've worked hard. Right. And... So we're a much better team. Last year we were uh, we didn't win a match. We were 0 and 10 for the year, and that's playing local club teams as well as other schools. And then this year we're 7 and 0 at the halfway point, and have really shown a great deal of progress. Teams that beat us twice last year, we've already beaten once this year, and uh, it's it, it is so neat for me to walk through. The kids don't realize how much they've improved, but when I look at their shot selections, the decision making and just their basic stroke execution, it, it's the most gratifying thing in the world. I imagine it is. Because I always felt like this would grow if someone ever taught them, and these were kids that were prone to just play video games because they didn't see much bang for the buck in the time they put in the pool. Right. Where now they're aware of how to draw and follow and use the good decision-making, and they know what constitutes a proper shooting system or a pre-shot right. routine. Yeah. So it's it's really, really the most rewarding job I've ever had, despite it being maybe the lowest paying job I've ever had. <laughs> no, I imagine that would be very satisfying to do. I, I really wish I could do the exact same thing. I really, really do. Um, listen, well, we need that. <laughs> we're going to take a short break real quick. And uh, when we get back, we'll talk some more about uh, the kids and what maybe the future might hold uh, for the youth in the sport. So. Stick around and we'll be right back. We're back, and I'm talking with Mark Wilson. He is the coach of the billiard team at Lindenwood University that just happens to have swept the championship at the University of Michigan last month. How did that feel, Mark? Pretty satisfying? Uh, it felt great. Uh, we finished seventh last year, 16 schools represented. We're probably about the smallest school that comes. But uh, it's such a neat, the, the camaraderie, the lifelong friendships you make amongst all the kids because they have that passion for it. And yeah. like I was saying earlier, it's not about money, it's about the support. 
and it's hugely rewarding. And as a little kind of a side humorous thing, the the Black Widow traveled with us, not this year, but the year before, and mm-hmm. the kids were all excited. And I I would never call upon my friendship with her just because you know she's busy. But we were driving from St. Louis to Michigan, and you go through Indianapolis, and the boys in the van were saying. Hey, Mark, uh, don't you know the Black Widow so good? Why don't you just call her up? And I go, oh, she's busy. She won't be home. And they go, oh, okay, okay. Well, I thought you could just call her. So I said, all right, I'll call her, but she won't be home. Well, it rings once, and she goes, hey, Mark, what's up? I go, oh, Jeanette. Uh, well, uh, anyway, we were just driving along, and the boys said, give you a call. And so she agreed to meet us at the local pool room. She volunteered. Oh. And said so she'd bring some pictures and play all the kids' game and give them a little pep talk, get them going. That's nice. well, boy, couldn't have, couldn't have dreamed up anything better. That's pretty and nice. And in the act of that, she says, "Listen, if I can make this happen, is there room in the van for me to ride up there?" <laughs> and the van was pretty crowded, but I knew the boys would be all good with it. So, anyway, she rode up there with us and stayed overnight, and then flew home the next day. But she came to the tournament, and then the next day we walked into this 16 university tournament. And, Everybody's going, hey, hey, that's the Black Widow, that's the Black Widow. Like, yeah, she's our number three. And, <laughs> <laughs> but she she was so good. She interacted with all the teams. And, and uh, really, you know, to take time out spontaneously yeah. to do that, that kind of tells you why she's in the Billiards Hall of Fame because she does a lot of little extra things a lot of people don't hear about right. that really adds to promoting our sport. Right. No, that's outstanding. That's outstanding that she uh, that she did that with you guys. That's really cool. And and they'll probably remember that for the rest of their lives too. The, the, no, probably the, about, <laughs> the time that Jeanette yeah. jumped in the van with us and cruised up to the tournament. Um, do you want to send a shout out to all your team members? We've got the greatest kids in the world, so certainly a big shout-out to my Lindenwood University Billiards team. They work hard and deserve all the accolades I can give them. Yeah. And uh, also I'd like to make mention of the person that uh, is the kind of the point person at the University of Michigan. She does so much for the sport, and she's been a member of the ACUI, and she also promotes the billiards program at Michigan, Betsy Sunholm. And, Betsy, you do a great job. Yes, she does. Well, it's been really wonderful talking with you. Uh, where can we find out more about your program or if there's some of the kids out there that are interested in perhaps earning one of your scholarships to come play billiards? Oh, for sure. Where yeah, can they the go? Scholarship, uh, the scholarships are more based on academics than they are on your pool prowess. And sure. You have to have that good character. And you can go to Lindenwood Lions, sls.edu. LindawoodLionsFLS.edu. And you can also contact me through my website, which is just PlayGreatPool.com. And I'd be happy to give you some information, help you. Questions, comments, concerns, direct them all to me, and I'm pretty good about answering. So, And, uh, you know, I would just like to kind of close with this. You know, for, for our team, we now have 30 team members. We now have a brand-new billiards facility. That's and the great. reason is, is the first year, everybody contributes. They all sacrifice. We make and miss together. We win and lose. Right. We laugh and cry. We help each other. We got each other's back, and we work hard and have a lot of fun also. And that's what makes us a family, and we have unity. And I am so proud of every one of my team members because they work hard and fulfill this criteria that uh, has led the sport the wrong direction in the past. They're, they're displaying what we need, and I would take any of these kids as my own son or daughter. No, that's so great. That It's... 
great to hear stories like that where people actually still work as a team and they still, you know, think like a unit. This is wonderful stuff. And we certainly appreciate the work that you're doing. And uh, anybody that is in the industry, if they knew uh, anything about what's good for the industry, they would also appreciate what you're doing too, <laughs> bringing uh, the youth into the sport and uh, culturing them with respect and integrity. That's uh, certainly what we need more of. So happy new year to you, Mark, you and your family, and um, we'll talk to you again sure, uh, soon, I'm quite sure. So uh, you guys take care. And, okay, uh, happy new year to everybody. If you come through St. Louis, stop in and see you. All right, excellent. Welcome back to American Billiard Radio. This is the Legends and Champions Report with myself, Mark Cantrell. First of all, I want to wish everybody a very happy new year. I hope you all had a, a great Christmas, Hanukkah, whatever it is that uh, you believe in or celebrate. I hope it was happy and uh, you all had a good time. And I really do hope that 2014 is going to be a very great year for everybody concerned. So, having said that, last year, uh, at the end of last year, we were talking about the State of the Union, and unfortunately, when you talk about the State of the Union, you know, you had to point out all the bad parts before you could try and come to some kind of an answer, and uh, we're going to be a little bit more positive uh, now, a new year, everything starts afresh, right? So... What do we have to look forward to in 2014? Who knows? I think there's a lot of things that can happen in 2014. Don't know what they are <laughs> necessarily, but, you know, there are a lot of options out there, I think, that are going to be good for, for everybody. They say, with some drug addicts, that they have to hit rock bottom before they can start looking for help and trying to make themselves better. Maybe that's the positive. Maybe that's the silvery line on the edge of this cloud that we've gotten to a point in pool whereas, you know, the only way is up. So who knows what's going to happen? I think there's going to be a lot of changes one way or another. And... Is it going to be the year of the challenge match? Somebody had mentioned that to me before, that um, maybe this was the year of the challenge match. The stake horses can maybe get together with Justin in the action report. And players may want to use their own money and just match up. Maybe even the Legends and Champions pool tour might be able to throw their hat in the ring a little bit and do a couple of challenge matches, pay-per-view events. There's going to be a lot of time missing this year that wasn't usually missing. And the players 
are going to want something to do, and the promoters are going to be right there with them, looking for what can we do next. And for the first time in a while, there's not as many other events to juggle around as far as scheduling goes. So maybe that's what's coming. Maybe it's the year of the challenge match, and we're going to have to wait and see who steps up and decides to do more events. And I know they're not easy to do, and they're not easy to do on a regular basis, unless you have, you know, the the funding in place and things like that. Maybe it's the year of the Invitational. It's been on the AZ Billions forums, and we've spoke about it before, with Mark Griffin talking about doing his events as Invitationals for the time being. Maybe other people are going to jump on board with that concept. And another people out there who would like to see that happen and see how it would work. Um, it's going to make a few people, as well, it's going to benefit a few people a lot more than it's going to benefit the whole industry. But who knows? It might be the stepping stone. It might be something when you've got a, a, an invitational tournament and each match is a key matchup. <clears throat> Maybe it's Darren Appleton against Austin Holman. Maybe it's Mika Eminen against Jason Shaw. We, every match would be something that everybody would want to see happen and want to watch. So that it, it could have a lot of advantages. And along with that will come uh, some additional excitement excitement and viewership and maybe catch somebody's attention who uh, might be able to help the sport. Having said that, I I still strongly believe the organization is going to be the main key to everything growing. And I hope, and I've had some conversations with a couple of people, but I really hope that we can get organized. That's the ground level where we need to go. Before we go anywhere else, the anything great that could possibly happen, let's just imagine that some fabulous things start happening in pool. <coughs> Excuse me. And we getting people looking to do sponsorships and we're getting more tournaments going. I think that's like building a beautiful, fantastic mansion on toothpicks or quicksand. Because as soon as a little storm or a breeze comes through, a beautiful mansion that's held up by toothpicks is going to come falling down. We have to have the foundation right. Again, it is my opinion. And I'm going to take some talking out of that opinion, to be honest with you. I think it has to start there with the professionalism and the everybody getting along, as I said before. But I think this could be the year it happens. It really could be the year it happens. What's worse can happen? It doesn't matter who takes over almost at this point. It doesn't matter who tries to do something to create the cohesiveness because 
what what's going to happen? They're going to lose sponsorship? No, that's already happened. Uh, tournament's going to start going away? That's already happened. Are the players going to start fighting with the promoters? That's already happened. I don't believe. It's, uh, one person told me it's like being a, a coroner. You're performing surgery on dead people. Makes sense, really. You can't mess it up. So, I guess that's another opportunity that can come from this. Maybe the foundation does get laid. Maybe better things start happening. Again, I know all this is, I keep saying, we're going to have to wait and see. We're going to have to wait and see. But we are. And we've got to wait and see who's going to make some moves. And who is going to be the person or the people or the group that decides, let's try and create this cohesiveness. I think that the players are probably going to want to go along with it. And the reason I say that is because they're looking for something to do. They don't have many events to play in anymore. So maybe they're going to be looking for tournaments to play in. The promoters, a lot of the time, I'm counting myself, we do it not because there's such a, a tremendous amount of money in this business, but because we love doing it. We enjoy it. So we want to try and put these events together. So if we want to put events together and the players want events to play in, then we're all on the same page, kind of, right? i tell you what, I'm going to take a quick break and I will be back in just a moment. Legends and Champions Report with myself, Mark Cantrell, on American Billiard Radio. Welcome back to American Billiard Radio, the Legends and Champions Report with myself, Mark Cantrell. And before the break, we were just talking about what's in the future for us. And this is, um, again, I, you know, I, I've been trying not to be negative, And I, I don't think I've been that negative here because I'm looking forward to 2014. I think a lot of things are going to happen this year. And... I would like to think that, like people make their New Year's resolutions, I'd like to think that, well, they make the New Year's resolutions because the start of the new year is a clean slate, right? Start the year, lose weight, get healthier, work harder, be a better person, all these things. Well, it's a clean slate for us. We can look at it that way. Or we can keep holding on to the same old grudges that we've uh, all had or some of us have had with each other for one reason or another. I say we get positive. Let's get professional. I think it was Barry Hearn, my idol. I know I talk about Barry Hearn a lot, Metrum Sports. I think it was Barry Hearn who said... Let's act like the professionals we pretend that we are. 
It's true. We like to say we're all professionals. I have my faults. I've got plenty of faults to go around. We've all got them. But let's try and put some of that behind us and try and make something positive happen. Let's start acting like professionals and see how fast things can change. And if there's a positive forward momentum and everybody opens their eyes and says, I'm going to give this a chance until they prove me wrong, then let's give it a chance. Of course, it can't be stupid. There's plenty of stupid ideas. And the other thing, there's going to be resistance. If somebody comes in and says, let's try and organize this, there, there will be resistance. From somewhere, somebody, somewhere along the line, it will happen. But that's got to be overcome. And hopefully, this is a year that we're going to be able to do it. I might be dreaming. But I believe that something is going to happen. Is it the challenge matches? Is it the invitationals? Is it a major sponsor jumping on board? Is it the organization? Who knows? But I don't think those major people are going to jump on board and still we all start the players. I can't say the promoters because for the most part, the promoters do act professional. They are professional entities. Maybe it's the players. Maybe it's people like me. You know, I'm, maybe I'm not the most professional person out there either. But if we all step it up a notch, who knows who's watching? Like we said last time about Mark Candle and uh, uh, Great White. We don't know who's watching. So once we have a positive momentum going and we can get the foundation and some challenge matches going... Maybe some invitationals. Maybe some tournaments add on. Maybe that's when an additional sponsor's going to pop up. Maybe this year they're looking for something to do with their money. Again, it's going to be one of those things that we have to wait and see. These are my opinions. My opinions only. I think that's it for today. Again, I wish everybody a very, very happy new year. And hope everything works out for you and all your dreams come true. And until next time, this is Mark Cantrell, American Billiards Radio, the Legends and Champions Report. I'll see you next time. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another segment of American Billiard Radio. I've, I've drug my partner in crime, Jerry Forsyth, away from his vacation. Yeah. Yeah, you sound happy to be alive. Yeah, my vacation was log splitting, so I, I do appreciate you dragging me away. <laughs> First off this week, we do have some sad news to report. Um, the news hit the Internet yesterday, and we're taping this on uh, New Year's Day that George Fells had passed away. Now, Jerry, I, I didn't know George very well. I met him a couple of times, but I, I certainly didn't know him well enough to 
qualify myself to speak on his behalf. Uh, you knew him better than I did. Well, the, the entire industry is saddened by the passing of George Fells. I mean, to begin with, he was just a stand-up guy, just a great, great fellow. Everybody, you always enjoyed being around George, and he, he was never a negative person. He was, he was always just, well, he was just funny as he could possibly be. I really enjoyed his writing because George never felt like he needed to shine a spotlight on a subject. I mean, he could, but he didn't have to. He could, he could lead you into a dark room and then illuminate that room slowly by letting shafts of sunlight come through the windows and, and paint the scene in the room for you. He was just a very, very fine writer, and uh, he's going to be very sorely missed. Do you have any idea how long he wrote for uh, Billiards Digest? Oh, golly, I think since near the beginning. I was surprised. I didn't know that he was even in poor health. Well, you know, we saw him just a few weeks ago at the Moscone Cup, and he was in good spirits, chipper. So, yeah, I, I didn't know he was in any kind of bad health at all. He may not have been. This may have been just a very sudden thing. We don't know the details. Uh, we have some other news this week. A big event going on in China this week, the 2014 Chinese 8-Ball Masters Invitational. Um, 16 players, 8 from China and 8 from the rest of the world. I'm not real familiar with the players who are playing out of China. Uh, he Wen Lai being the only one that I recognize by name, and there were three or four that we didn't even have in our database when I was putting the information up on the website. Uh, now the rest of the world is represented by Darren Appleton, Carl Boys, <clears throat> Kelly Fisher, Stephen Hendry, Chris Melling, Gareth Potts, Shane Van Boning, and Vivian Villarreal. What's really interesting is it's $50,000 to the winner, and that's going to be a nice uh, late Christmas present for somebody. So this is a men play against women event? Yeah, it, it seems to be just an open bracket of 16 players, from what I can tell, and, and men playing against women. Now, all of the Chinese players are men, um, so you know, Vivian and Kelly being the only ladies in the field, which, you know, Matchroom has done that before, and it's, it's, it hasn't turned out real well for the ladies, but I suppose it, it draws the fans in, not like they have any problem drawing fans in China. Do you know what town this is in? It's an Olympic Sports Center stadium, huh. but I'm not sure what town it's in. Well, sounds like a big deal. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I know it's at least the second time it's been ran. Uh, I'm not sure of, of more detail than that. It, if it weren't for Allison Chang, who is covering it on her website, I wouldn't know much of anything about the event. Yeah, we do have trouble getting information from that part of the world. Now, the other big event is a little bit closer to home. Uh, January, I want to say 14th, 15th, and 16th. Mm -hmm. uh, a little bit more familiar with these two players, a gentleman who goes by the name of Efren Reyes. Uh, heard you, you've heard of him? Yeah. I think he's Filipino. Yeah. And he's going to play a guy from the States, Earl uh, Strickland. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think I, they've played before. I, yeah. <laughs> I believe they have, yeah. I'm wanting to say races to 15, 8-ball, 9-ball, 10-ball, uh, $5,000 to the winner of each match. It's going to be available online, uh, pay-per-view, which a match of that magnitude probably should be pay-per-view. Yep, that'll be at uh, InsidePool.tv. All right, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna make any friends here. Does Efren win any of these sets? Um, yes. You think so? Yes. They're not playing one pocket. 
Yeah, if they were, he'd, I'd, I'd certainly make him a favorite there. But I think Efren's so good at controlling the table that that he can even he can even handle Earl. I don't I don't know that I would bet against Efren. I, I mean, I've, I I haven't made a lot of money in my life betting against Efren. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that? And certainly the the magnitude of the player that Earl is playing doesn't really matter to him. But do you think there's an inherent respect between these two players that may keep Earl on uh, better behavior than he was at Moscone? That's iffy. It all depends on whether or not it becomes... Of course, Earl, I mean, Efren's hard to shake. You know, if it became advantageous for Earl to go off, I think Earl would go off. Um, I mean, that's what you do. But um, if, if Earl gets under pressure, if, if, if Efren puts Earl under some heat, uh, yeah, I think you could, you could see some, some fireworks. And just as a, a small service to our listeners, for any of you who are Facebook users, which I imagine one or two of you are, um, I do know for a fact that the Earl Strickland account that is on Facebook is not Earl Strickland. Um, my understanding is it is a former relative of his, but it is not Earl. Oh, but I thought he had given that person permission to do that. I wasn't aware that. Uh... Yeah, that's that's not the case. I'm hearing there may there should be another uh, account being started up soon that will have a much closer connection to Earl. But from what I'm hearing from very good sources, that is not Earl. Oh, okay. All right. Well, with the news behind us, um, you know, you and I had an interesting conversation the other day, and I thought this might be a good place to further that conversation. The conversation was Moscone Cup again. And just to fill our, our listeners in, we were discussing there is a rumor that Matchroom is thinking about blowing up Team USA. And to explain that, going with almost all new players. I mean, since it's January 1st now, last year's Moscone Cup team did not fare very well, as we all know. Jerry, I'm not sure that, you know, blowing up the team and going with a group of players that are not the upper echelon of American players is going to help our chances to win the Cup back anytime soon. No, and frankly, that's why this is a rumor. I, I don't know how much credence to put into this sort of thing because if you go with the younger players, and you can name a lot of guys that, that are really great young players, but you put all those names together on a team and then you put them against the existing Team Europe and just count the number of major championships and world championships on Team Europe and then count the number of major championships and world championships on Team USA, and it looks like you're doing a what we call a rebuilding year where you're giving these guys some seasoning so that they could in the future be better at the Moscone Cup. But to me, that doesn't make any sense from Matron's point of view to say, okay, let's just waste the show and, and give these guys some seasoning. I don't think that's what Matron would be looking for. Well, and you always have the danger uh, that you're going to have something, and certainly there was more involved than just Moscone Cup, but you know it has been said in the past that there are players who have had their careers ended at Moscone Cup. Oh, yeah. You know, Mike DeShane is, is a high firepower player, 
he has not fared well there. I mean, if you take a Jesse Engel or a Joey Gray and throw them into that mess, especially next year, considering that it's overseas, you know, that could theoretically do some damage to a player's confidence. And at, at that age, their confidence is huge. Hey, this thing's going to be in Blackpool. You don't want to take any virgin into Blackpool. <laughs> if you're not going to do that, then who do you have left? I mean, we have a number of U.S. players who have represented us at Moscone Cup, but they're not necessarily at the top of their game right now. Yeah, the only solution that, that's made sense to me that I've heard is to make it Team Europe against Team America so that you can bring Alex Pagulayan down from Canada and put him on the team and bring in Corey Duell and and then you know pick pick the rest as best you can. You've certainly got to have Shane on there. I think you could have a couple of the existing guys back, but whatever you do, get Alex on there because he, that way, even if America loses, you've still got a great TV show because Alex is just great TV. Well, and beyond that, Alex, Alex could do a lot to to raise the spirits of Team America to to put less pressure on them. I mean, Team Europe, while they were, while they had a mission at Moscone Cup, they were having fun, too. Nobody on Team USA looked like they were enjoying themselves. Yeah, I understand it was a pretty depressing place, the U.S. practice room, and Alex could fix that real fast. On the other hand, you know, Alex, most people have a good idea where that line is between having fun and good humor and going too far. And Alex has sometimes had a hard time figuring out exactly where that line is. He has, but it's always been entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are people who would say that uh, NASCAR is entertaining for different reasons than you or I would. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I still want to, whatever happens, whatever they do, I don't want them to do anything that damages the integrity, the show itself. I mean, if, if the show itself loses popularity with the audience, then, then nothing else really matters. One team winning year after year is certainly not helping that. No, but, you know, we, win, we, we won year after year, and they stayed with it. I don't think that's going to – you know, they're, they're, sure, we have to make some plans. But, but you and I know both, that, both know that the, the real plan is to find a coach that can turn these guys into a team. Um, and I think that matchroom is realistic, knowing that that can happen and that things can turn around and this can turn back into a competition. It really still is a competition. We forget how close it was just a year ago. And we also forget that this blowout was a blowout of short race nine ball. And that can happen. I mean, it can happen to anybody. Anybody can beat anybody on any given day in a race to six in nine ball. And we just, the, the coin kept coming up heads. And if you're looking for a team that is actually going to listen to a coach and take full advantage of that person being there, then yes, you need to look at the younger players. I just don't see the players that have represented Team USA in the last couple of years being interested in what a coach has to say. I'm afraid you're right in a lot of circumstances. I don't know that you know, I don't want to get into naming names. I think there's some guys on that team that would be open. There's some that would be closed. I'm certainly open to the idea of having 
let's say an Oscar Dominguez back on the team, a Corey Duell back on the team. Yep. Um, you know, you see some of these younger players, uh, Joey Gray, Justin Hall. Those are both players that I think have more than enough confidence to fade that Blackpool crowd. Uh, Hunter Lombardo has got quite a bit of, of seasoning under his belt now. I mean, he's gotten out and played in in a number of international events. Hunter and Oscar and Corey would all be good additions to the team, and they would all, I think, be in t- be. I know they're all sharp enough to listen to a coach. Well, then that just goes back to the question of who would be a good coach. Well, I really don't think we've gone anywhere using players. Um, there, were, some of the guys were very excited about this fellow, Shy Eisenberg, this year. And I don't know a whole lot about this guy. I mean, what do we know about him? Well, we know he's a a team builder. That's what he does for a living, and he works. He does it for very large companies like Procter and Gamble. And he's convinced that with four or five weeks' work, he can produce an Ameri- a winning American team. Well, it worked for Johan. I mean, he was basically in the same position a number of years ago, and, and look what he's done. He took a losing team and made winners out of them. And it can happen for the Americans, too. What we need is a benefactor to step forward and say, yeah, I'll bear the expenses of that training camp. Well, I mean, Matchroom covers a lot of the expenses. That would be a lot of money. I mean, you're talking about uh, probably seven pool players plus the coach. Uh, who would all need lodging, food, facilities, uh, salaries for about five weeks. At least that's my impression of it. I mean, maybe it can be done another way. I, I just don't know how else you format it so that it works. Well, only time will tell. Yeah? Well, Jerry, that's about all I've got this week. Still still a little out of it from yesterday. Um, did you have a good New Year's? Yeah, we did. Um we almost made it to nine o'clock, but uh, <laughs> but it was uh, a nice dark morning when we woke up, so it was fun. <laughs> okay, everybody, thanks for listening this week, and once again next week we will have another show for you. Good luck in 2014, everyone. Welcome to the fourth edition of Pool on the Grind on American Billiard Radio. I'm your host, Allison Fisher of NYCGrind.com. First off, I'd like to wish everyone out there listening a very happy and healthy 2014. And thank you all for tuning into this week's program, which is the first show of the new year. I'd like to welcome to the show NYC Grind founder and creative director, Jerry Tarantola. Awesome. What's up, Allison? Hello, everyone. Um... It's a pleasure to be here, and I appreciate the opportunity to kick off this new year uh, you know, with you and having this conversation for everyone that, who will appreciate it. Uh, first off, this is a very somber time for everyone in the pool community as we just got the news that George Fells, yeah, this who, is wild. Wow. who was uh, actually the longest-running 
writer in Poole just passed away. And I'd like to wish my condolences to everyone who was a close friend or family member of George. Definitely. Allison, uh, myself, as well as the NYC Grind team. And, you know, I just know that the Poole community as a whole um, have have you know they they all have been touched in some way by george's presence here in the pool world he's been a, a great contributor very wise and articulate contributor for billiards digest for many years and um he was a very knowledgeable individual around the game of pool and he he took a unique approach to the sport and i believe that he was admired by uh, players promoters and you know pretty much fans alike and i you know i want to speak on behalf of NYC Grind and the whole pool community and put out a huge uh, thanks and let him and his family know that he will be remembered and appreciated. Rest in peace. Absolutely. And George was also on the board of the American, or excuse me, the Chicago Billiard Museum. So his contribution was felt by many, many people in all of the arenas of of pool and definitely as a groundbreaker and someone who paved the way for what we do today he ha earns so much so much admiration for that so we can we can look back at his legacy for many 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 years to come yeah definitely well said Allison thank you so in the previous few weeks on the program, we've kind of been looking at some of the challenges that Pool has faced, some of the things that the industry has been struggling with. But this week, we're going to take a fresh perspective looking forward to 2014 and what we have to be excited about. I think there's definitely a lot of positive things happening, and having this new forum to express what we're all about, what people are doing, what people are thinking is a, a great example of that. So I want to just give a quick thanks to the director, David Bond, for putting this all together and getting everyone to, together to co collaborate. I think it's a, a wonderful, wonderful thing. Yeah, I agree with that. I second that. David, thank you very much for spearheading this and putting it all together. I'm sure that, of course, there, there are a lot of moving parts and a lot of people that have contributed. So thank, a big thank you to every single person that um, really is looking to discuss and contribute to the industry and the sport and, you know, pretty much the game that we all just love. I mean, once we uh, fell in love with the game, we knew that um, we pretty much entered a whole new world or like Alice in Wonderland you kind of fell down the rabbit hole and you want to know how deep it goes yeah. like how, how do you draw this ball how do you get this cue ball to go where you want it to go so um, there's just so much potential with the game across the board and I'm glad to have an opportunity to speak on a positive note about the game because overall I am very optimistic about the industry the sport the game and you know, I mean, the game is just fucking, excuse my language, the game is awesome. This game is amazing. And it's, yes, it is a sport. Definitely, uh, at times, 
but it's a game and it's fun and it's exciting and girls want to play it and guys want to play it and you could drink beer when you play it and you could play it in your home if you have the space for it or you could be 80 years old and play the game it's amazing you're not restricted by certain limitations you don't need a bat and a baseball glove and you don't need a field you know if you're a bowler like you need you need shoes you can't you can't just go out there in your high heels as a woman out after a date and go and and, and feel sexy so pool there's 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 not that barrier and um there's a lot to look forward to and i'm excited to be you know part of this this particular episode so what in particular in 2014 are you really excited about jt well there's really so much that i'm excited about there's a lot of opportunity that i see there's a lot of potential and there have been a lot of um examples realistic things that have happened in the last few years that are all in my perspective very positive signs and one of the most important things that i believe we're not um you know we like as a whole like society we're not really fully grasping the the impact that the internet has had on us as people in the world and the ability with certain communication technology um to be able to connect and continue conversations and to reconnect with people that we've lost touch with and all that and it's like really amazing the world in general has me very excited but you know when i um kind of parachute down from a, a really high perspective of you know visionary type perspective looking ahead five ten twenty years ahead in the future when i just bring it like us back to this moment there's a lot i'm excited about here we are in january 2014 um, we have, you know, the internet, we have several different sites that are billiard media sites that have, they're doing a great job and contributing, doing whatever they could do to best share their unique perspective and approach in covering the sport. And, um, you know, the speeds, uh, load times are getting quicker, um, broadband speeds are collectively across the world, uh, um, continuing to improve and prices are going down. So there's more accessibility. Um, but you know, chunking it down to January, like, wow, here we are. I'm, I'm, we're, we're right now, we're in Brooklyn, New York, and this is January 1st. So what am I excited about January in January as a pool player and what's going on? Well, here we are in the New York area and there are several different tours that, um, that both Allison and I participate in fairly regularly when we can and uh, we do a good job of juggling so while we're there we're also covering the event so we have a very mm -hmm. close uh, and intimate um, understanding and perspective on you know some of the things we're going to be talking about so for example the tri-state tour which is the longest running um, regional tour in, in the tri-state area uh, is about to kick off their season and that's coming up the fourth and the fifth in Brooklyn where is that going to be in, in Brooklyn Allison? It's going to be at Gotham City Billiards, but actually this won't be the tour kickoff for the season. This is just their first tour event of the year. So the Tri-State Tour runs from year to year. It, it crosses over between two years. So mm. this is, we're about midway through the 2013-2014 season. Mm. But this event is very special because as anyone who's played on the tour knows, Gotham City Billiards adds extra additional money to all of their events. Normally, a regular tour tour event is either seven fifty or a thousand added, and usually, Gotham adds 
another extra 500 or so on. But this event is going to be 2200 added. And it's also worth double points events on the tour. Excuse me, it's worth double points in the tour rankings. In the tour rankings. In the tour rankings. Right. So that is an extra incentive for players to come in addition to an extra prize fund. All right, awesome. Mm-hmm. And as an extra note, Gotham City Billiards was recently remodeled with all new diamond tables, including a diamond 10-foot table. Wow. Which is, to my knowledge, the only diamond 10-foot table in the city. And it's only the second pool room in the city, aside from Society Billiards in Manhattan, that has diamond tables. That's true. So, it, it is the only yeah. other pool room in the in the New York City area, the five boroughs, that has all diamond tables. Absolutely. Yeah. And then with the five by ten coming in, I'm sure Earl's gonna love it. Oh, uh, absolutely. Yeah, it's gonna create a little extra level of excitement. I'm I'm excited about it. It's a beautiful room, and I want to send out a thank you to the owners Isabel and um, uh, excuse me, but uh, Buckley. They're they're the Buckleys. So I want to give a shout-out to them, and thank you for everything you do for, for pool in the New York area. Absolutely, and also thank you for supporting Thomas Rice all of these years and you know his family and the people that uh, have been looking out for him. And for those of you who don't know, Thomas Rice is one of the rising stars in the New York area. And you know this actually ties into what am I excited about. You know I'm excited about some of the, these, these, these tours that are... Uh, um, kicking off like the Predator Tour season opener is the 12th or 11th 12th you know starting out of Steinway Billiards mm-hmm. and that's ex- it's exciting um, you know Thomas Rice plays in both the tri- Tri-State and the Predator he's 14 years old Four- t- tell me about Thomas right now Thomas he's uh, definitely has natural talent he's very dedicated he's taken lessons with Earl Strickland and he's at nearly every tournament it's very seldom that I'm at a Predator Tour, Tri-State Tour event that he is not at. And he's definitely got the passion for the game, and he also has made great strides over the last year. So we've got Predator Tour season coming up, kickoff at yep. Steinway Billiards. Mm-hmm. And this is the seventh year of the Predator Tour, which, for those of you that don't know, is run by Tony Robles and his new, newly, their newlyweds, Tony and Gail. Yes, new I wife. Can, I love I can it. refer to them as Tony and Gail Robles. Yeah. Wonderful presence in the New York area for pool. They've done so, so much, and I can't give them enough credit for all the hard work that they do, both on the Predator Tour and the... The pool community, I mean, like the pool community as a whole. I mean, their impact on pool in the New York City area is huge. And yeah, actually, I didn't, I didn't know what you were about to say. I I mean, I'm just looking at the impact. But yes, they run the National Amateur Pool League. That's what you're about to say. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me, tell me about that. But they really have made a tremendous impact on it. Let's talk about the National Amateur Pool League quickly. Touch on the the Mega Bucks League. I'm excited about that. Let's talk about the APA quickly and like how you feel like more and more people playing because that's how I feel and I'm about to get into it but I'm going to let Allison run with it uh, it's January 1st ladies first there's a lot of participation going on there's a lot of excitement going on Tony's had a big part of it 
the tri-state tour and their people have been a big part of it the leagues uh are exciting and more women are playing but please allison continue yeah so the national amateur pool league formed by tony and gail is uh, across three boroughs it's run it's a bar league but what makes it different from a lot of similar similar leagues is that they want to give the players the best possible shot at having a having a pro like treating the game as a professional sport not to say that other leagues don't do that but that's that's sort of like their mission statement and they give players in three of the boroughs they have leagues through manhattan queens and newly for the recent seasons in brooklyn So yeah, there's a lot of activity going on. There are a lot of pool players playing in, in the New York area, and um, you know what's big coming up, JT, is Efren versus Earl. Efren Reyes versus Earl, the Pearl Strickland. Wow. They're playing on the five by ten Brunswick at Steinway Billiards. It's going to be a three day all around, streamed by NYC Grind and Inside Pool Magazine. We're doing a co-production. So yeah, and you we, could, you could we visit, are super, you could, super excited. We're super excited. And you can visit InsidePool.tv, and they have a, a pay-per-view set up to be able to access that match that you could view on uh, any device, tablet, PC, phone, whatever. And um, we're also going to embed the, the live stream on nycgrind.com because we're a co-producer of the event we're going to help out any way we can and we'll have um you know anyone who goes to our site will be able to easily access it as well so you could visit insidepool.tv or nycgrind.com and you'll be able to easily be able to access the site um and it's been a great it's been a great experience working with insidepool.tv uh jr calvert sally as well as uh uh, Alvin, Alvin, Alvin Nelson, Nelson, yeah, who's right now the the main workhorse and uh, the heart and gears behind InsidePool.tv and the live streaming initiative that they've been going on, and it's been a great experience for NYCGrind.com um, to have partnered up with them on uh, a number of events, and we've actually been growing. We're happy with our relationship, and we're going to be live streaming more events, including uh, the Earl versus Efren, which. You know, last last time they played, I believe it was like ninety six. It was a race to one hundred and twenty games in nine ball, and it was a tight tight final. I mean, it would have come down to like a couple of games and a race to twenty. What was the final score? The final score was one twenty two seventeen, or excuse me, one seventeen in favor of Efren. Efren Efren won what what one twenty to one seventeen. Yes. Wow. Wow. For a hundred grand. For a hundred grand, and where where was this? It was somewhere in Asia. Where was this? It was in Hong Kong in 1996. Wow. So, they have 
great history, obviously, and they're two of the most widely admired worldwide players, for sure. They're both extremely significant and arguably two of the best players to ever walk the earth. To ever walk the earth, and they happen to both be living right now. And they're in very close proximity and age. And they're also playing great pool. It's it's wild. Uh, Both... Earl Strickland and Efren Reyes are both playing great. Um, yeah, Efren took, wow. I mean, took wow. a fifth in the U.S. Open in 2012. Yeah. He didn't play in 2013. Right. But and he, I mean, he played uh, tremendous he versus did. all the young guns from everywhere yeah. around the world. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of which, we are also having coming up uh, the big tar match. Speaking of young guns, we have Dennis Arcoyo and Darren Appleton. At the TAR studio in Las Vegas, TAR 38. It's happening on January 17th through the 19th, and that's going to be also an all-around of one pocket, eight ball, and ten ball. That's awesome. On theactionreport.com. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, TAR, theactionreport.com. Um, they've been doing a great job across the board. Their whole entire team, uh, they've stepped up and done a lot in terms of putting together marquee matchups, exhibitions for people to be able to enjoy. Uh, some really high level, high quality talent that uh, are, are really laying it all on the line. You know, their names, pretty much, I mean, the bottom line is, you know, I was watching the movie Troy the other day, mm-hmm. and, you know, you had all these warriors going to battle to leave, like, a legacy, you know, to have, an, like, all right, they're going to die. In 100 years from now, all of them will be dead. But the reality is they have an opportunity while they're here in this, this this earth to leave a legacy, to be remembered, to have their name like mean something, to have their time on this earth really like mean something where they've impacted this world and have actually done something. And that's one of the reasons why I'm so excited about the potential with pools because the reality is, like you know, even if you talk about Facebook, social media, Facebook, on Facebook, for the first time in history, pool players have a, a platform to be able to um, express what they're feeling, what's going on in, in them. You know, they just went to this event or they're going to this event. And people have an opportunity to express their appreciation through likes and comments. And, you know, they have the ability to share particular articles or live streamed events or information that... Uh, um, you know, I mean, really, like, spread information. I mean, information used to be locked up by uh, a small few. And with the innovation of the Internet and desktop publishing and new media, um, we've been able to kind of change the game across the board. People have and, a ready-made um, platform right right there at their disposal in their yeah, hand. That's right. In their hand. In a device that fits in the palm of your hand. It's, bl- it's mine blowing i mean in the you know the devices that are out today whether it's an ipod or i mean what iphone or an apple product or you know a google product um with some of their great products android and uh you know their operating system and some of the great technologies that they've been able to bring to the table uh or you know really anyone um it's amazing but the technology that people are carrying around with them in their pockets is actually much more powerful than 
personal computers that took up half your desk, you know, years ago. And it's amazing to me, the colors, the visuals, the ability to, to hear sound at a professional quality, everything. The ability to hear this, what we're talking about right now, streamed over the internet, is mind-boggling. And um, there's a lot of potential there. And I actually want to talk about technology for a minute, because that's one of the things I'm really most excited about. And while I'm not out there quite as actively contributing to forums and social media and commenting and things of that nature i'm actually um extremely excited about some of the innovations with technology i'm extremely interested and uh optimistic in this sport this game's potential because there was a time when traditional media was the only opportunity the only source of um information that really got out to the masses to the people that really cared about whatever they were talking about and now through you know with twitter and facebook and social media and a, and a ton of other um really great platforms that are leveraging the technology of uh you know the internet and the ability to connect to the internet with brought you know ever increasingly fast and accessibly accessible broad broadband speeds like wow the amount of information that's available is incre increase increasingly exponentially at an amazing rate. There's more video, there's more free content, there's more information that is available. And right now, I don't know what the number is, but I believe it's like 2 billion people in the entire world have uh, um, smartphones, something like that. It's, it's wild. And by like 2025, it's going to quadruple to like 8 billion people in the world. And, you know, there are people in, in certain aspects, there are places in the world that had no, no access to information. They didn't have encyclopedias. They didn't have any of that. And now all of a sudden they have broadband access with uh, um, a device that's able to connect to the internet. And with Google, now they have the ability to access all the world's information. So that's amazing. And, you know, we're involved with live streaming. We're going to be doing a lot more of that. There's a lot of potential in the future of that. But uh, the bottom line is um, the production quality is going to in increase. The entertainment value is going to increase. The technology is going to continue to grow. Computing power is going to continue to grow. And I'm very excited about a lot. I'm excited about the juniors with the Billiard uh, Education Foundation headed by Sam Deep. I'm excited about the BCA, the Billiards Congress of America, still in the game. And they're still... They're still working out some of the kinks and evolving with technology and evolving with the times. And they're really doing a lot of really great things with a new instructor program that's going on with knowledgeable uh, people and making sure they're qualified to be able to help and grow this sport. And, um, you know, the BEF, I just want to touch on the BEF and the juniors and the youth for a minute. And, you know, wow, I was a junior player. I started playing a game when I was 12 years old in Queens, New York. And I was mentored by Gene Negi and had an opportunity to play and grow with Jeanette Lee coming up. We were both sponsored at the same pool room. And I was a junior. I played in the in a, in a, in a BCA National Championships, the Junior National Championships when I was a kid. And I played in a lot of juniors events. Super Billiards Expo is another event that I'm excited about. I want to talk about a little later, actually, if it was time. But if not, uh, Alan, I love what you do. Um, but the BEF last year in, in, in Las Vegas, uh, alongside... CSI's BCA PL National Championships, which I'm a big fan of. I love what these guys at CSI are doing. Mark Griffin, Holly, their whole team. And uh, alongside the national 
amateur players like from all around the country these champions and these pros was you know a banquet that corralled all the greatest junior talent in New York and Jennifer and Tim Jennifer Beretta who if you don't know please google her you need to know her not only is she amazingly attractive and been voted by ESPN as one of the sexiest athletes of all time but she's an amazing person and a, like a great player right now I have her rated number one in New York if any any player in New York wants to challenge Jennifer Beretta as like the number one spot I think they they have a lot of work cut out. Yeah, they work cut out for themselves. Absolutely, I and agree Tim, Tim Chen, Jennifer, and Tim Chen are both college graduates from different places, brilliant people in different respects. And Jennifer has that whole fashion, cool aspect, which I think a lot of women will be able to resonate with. The BEF brought it brought down the house with a great combo of Jen Breda, Jen Breda and Tim Chen. Uh, talking to the kids about the importance of education and while pool is important not to lose focus on what you can do and impact the world with so anyway there's so much to talk about but you know I, I want to leave people I want to leave people excited and staying tuned so please be sure to check out nycgrind.com we do have some really great changes that we have planned we're going to be moving on more real-time information moving towards an ecosystem and we plan on rolling out the red carpet for the players the pool rooms and um like promoters of different tours and events in a really great cool way and i can't really talk more about that right now but that's actually what i'm most excited about so please stay tuned there's a lot more coming from nycgrind.com along with some really great videos uh, so NYC grind, NY, NYC is hot right now. I just came back from, I don't even know, seven, eight states in like a short period of time. And pool nationwide is exciting. Pool worldwide is exciting. There are more and more uh, billiards federations from all around the world that are contributing and investing in the sport of pool. So I'm really excited. Allison, I'm just going to let you wrap up. And uh, for people that are interested in learning more about nycgrind.com, check it out. And be sure to stay plugged in because we have a lot of changes going on. And Allison, I appreciate you and your contribution. Thank You've been you. great. Thank you very much. And I believe that the pool world loves you. The players and the promoters love you. They know that your heart is in it. You've come up the grind as a player in college, playing in the College 8 Championships, coming up through the grind. You've won the, you've won the, the National Amateur 8-Ball Championships with a, a group of great young women um, in the team Kiss of Death. So uh, you're certainly qualified to speak on this topic. And um, yeah, I'm just looking forward to, to 2014. So everyone out there, I love you guys. Thank you for everything. And stay tuned. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, JT. It's really, truly an honor for me to, to be here and, and speak and host some of the most influential people, which I count you among most definitely in, in the pool world. And I think mainly what I am personally looking forward to in 2014 is that I truly get the sense that people are coming together. People realize that pool is kind of at this I think we've reached a sort of pinnacle of wanting to push things forward so for everyone out there who promotes the live streams and does everything on the internet really I want to thank all of those people I won't name individuals but thank you from the bottom of my heart everyone who has put forth effort in whatever little way please share please uh, do if everyone does their part 
has conversations with people, I think that's a significant way to bring more awareness, bring more knowledge about pool, and build a conversation. So thank you once again, everyone, for joining us. It's been a great pleasure, and we will see you next week. I'm Allison Fisher at NYCGrind.com, signing off. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you once again for tuning in. We really appreciate it. Uh, Before we go, I would like to take this opportunity to humbly dedicate tonight's program to our uh, friend and to an industry treasure, Mr. George Fells. Good night, everyone, and have a wonderful weekend and a prosperous 2014.